Hey there, Adam here. Thanks for tuning in. Just a quick message for business owners that may be struggling with what to post on their social media. We know that social media can either be integral to your overall marketing strategy or the bane of your entire existence. We have a 90-minute workshop where we provide a repeatable framework to plan out your monthly posting calendar with fresh, relevant, engaging posts designed to attract and segment new customers and clients. No more anxiety about what to post and when. No more settling for cat memes or other nonsense that may get you engagement, but no actual business or even worse, letting your social media lie dormant. I will teach you the exact process that we use at Digital Sandwich to plan out an entire month. Actually, more than that. Interested? Head over to eat.digitalsandwich.agency forward slash social workshop. Thanks for tuning in to the Secret Ingredient Livecast, where we believe that everyone has a story behind the story, and that is where the secret ingredient lives. Now, unleashing that secret ingredient through a combination of personalized custom content, social media, and paid advertising is the best way to build the relationships you need to grow your business today. Now, today's guest is a smorgasbord of experience, knowledge, nonsense, and diverse background. He's a baseball player, a worship leader, a father, a husband, a sales trainer, weightlifting motorcycle riding guy, and an amazing ironing board surfer. He has the best reason that I have ever heard for twisting a knee and needing crutches. His attach rate is strong, and his number one reason to go home is to number two. His most recent accomplishment is becoming a certified Maxwell Leadership Coach, and I have no idea where this conversation is going to go today, but I do know that it's going to be a hoot. I am fortunate and a little anxious to introduce my good friend, former co-worker, and one of the most genuine good guys that I know, Mr. Chris Burns. What's up, Bird Dog? Wow, that that is easily, hands down, the best <laughs> introduction I ever. Do we, do we need to say anything else? I feel like people know me pretty good. I like when you said his number one reason to go home is number two. <laughs> That, that's a thing, man. Hey, I gotta go. I gotta go. What's matter? <laughs> no, uh, I know you prepped. I know you prepped properly today. Oh yeah, and I appreciate it. You know, I, I love you, Adam, and you know I've enjoyed every minute of our friendship. Never a dull moment. You know, with whenever whenever we get in a room and start talking about leadership and development and you know all kinds of stuff. So I'm I'm blessed to be here. Uh, thank you for having me on on the show. So. Oh, I appreciate that. There, if if you play your cards right, there may even be some LARPing today. Ooh, <laughs> no one loves a good. No, yeah, no one, no one loves a good LARP the way the way my man Burns does. Oh. <laughs> Burns, how long have we known each other, and why? How 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 do we how do we meet? We met when we were both working for Wireless Partners, Verizon Wireless Premium Retailer. Man, back in the day. It was probably 10 or 12 years ago in that ballpark. I'd say 10, 11, 10 or 11. I've lived, in, I've lived in Lakewood now for going on 11 years. And we moved up here. Oh, nine. I think, I think probably nine or 10 years we've been friends. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was, yeah, that the sounds first, right. It was within the first year, year and a half. I was at wireless partners when you came on board. So. Yeah, you would you were like the corporate trainer and then go figure they they shifted sort of how the regions were set up, et cetera. Kind of shifted gears. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I I made my I made my living in the wireless industry by 
doing by always saying yes. You know, like I, I, I said, right. you, you say yes to your dream. You know, like I wanted to be a trainer. I wanted to develop people. I wanted to work with leaders. I wanted to mentor salespeople. And everything I've been asked to do in the wireless industry in one way or another has helped me live into that dream. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying be a yes man to a person. I'm saying be a yes man or a yes woman to your dream. You know, you always got to say yes to that next step. And if that next step finds you and it's, you know, it's living into your financial goals as well as your, you know, your, your career goals and your life goals. Like why say no? Right. You know? So well, and, I, and for a while, but both of us, I think, found found good next steps within that company. I, I know I matured a ton personally and professionally at Wireless Partners until that next that next yes took me out of there. Yeah, you definitely <laughs> said yes to your dream. That was I was I was so sad and also so <laughs> proud of you when you left Wireless Partners to to kind of do your own thing, and that was that I know that day for you and wherever you were you were at go wireless at that point right yeah it had transitioned to go and i was not going to be a good go employee yeah they they were not yeah they were not going to like me and i was not going to like them nothing against their them at all it's actually a fantastic organization it just was not a good fit for me which is okay yeah (laughs) that's that's all right yeah, I, I can't handle that much control. I'm a bad employee. <laughs> yeah, when I was at Wireless Partners, we met when I was a trainer, and and I got that gig by saying yes. I, at the time I transitioned to be a trainer, I was a regional sales manager, I think, at the time. And you know, the the owner Jackie, she called me on the phone and she said, "Hey, I need you to drive to Columbus to have a meeting with me." And of course, my heart sank and swallowed the biggest open my throat and drove down to Columbus and met with her. And she said, you know, you're doing it. You're doing a great job as a, I think I was leading 11 stores at that point as a regional manager. And she said, you know, we want a territory. We want you to be the trainer for, I think we had like 26 or 28 stores at the time. And I thought that sounded like a cool gig. So, so yeah, I absolutely said yes to it. So I went from, I went from mentoring coaches and training salespeople to training, you know, the sales, the salespeople and the leaders all across the company. So I put on leadership boot camps and, you know, sales trainings and stuff like that. And that that was a fun gig. A lot of travel, but it was a definitely a fun gig. So you were you were LARPing for a living. I was LARPing for a living. We'll LARP for food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just we'll in case food. just in case no one knows what our antiquated joke there is. It's LARP is Live action role play. Live action role play, baby. <laughs> oh my god! What do normal people call it? it just uh, role play. Like role play. <laughs> just role- Pra- yeah, practicing skilled, things. There's, there's nerds out there that probably call it skill drills. You know, skill drill. Remember? Yeah, skill drill. <laughs> now we're larping today, baby. And it was you and uh, was was Ben there at that time? Yeah, yeah. At, at that point. Ben was still in Marion, I think. Okay. Store, running he was, stores. He was, either, he was either a store manager in Marion or he was running a few stores for Jackie. Him and his blanket. Him and his blanket. Yeah, Jackie. <laughs> oh, so, man. So you, you were originally an Alto guy. Yeah, that was, that was really, yeah. Yeah, that, that was that wireless partner gig. That was really... 
like up until that point, like, you know, that was, that was the, the bulk of my development, you know? And like, I, I wish I would have had an Adam LeFaber in my life to walk me through the first few stages of my career. I'd been in the wireless industry for probably three or four years as a mediocre to subpar employee and, you know, not making a lot of money. And then I got involved with wireless partners and Alex Yader kind of took me under his wing and started to mentor me and coach me and really develop me. And I remember when, you know, you know, for, for anybody who's listening, who maybe lacks courage or lacks taking that next step to, to develop yourself, this is a really good story. I remember I was, I was a store manager. I'd been a store manager for just a couple of months at wireless partners. And this was, this was, I'd already been in the industry at Alltel for like three, three and a half years at this point. But I thought I was ready for that next step to lead multiple stores. And I remember Jackie wanted to start opening up new Verizon stores in the Northeast Ohio area. And, you know, I was just pretentious enough to think that I was the right person for that job. Right. So I call up Jackie and I'm like, Hey, I want to come meet with you. You know, this was wanted to meet with me to make me a trainer, but I said, I want to come meet with you. I need an hour of your time. I'll take you out to lunch. So we met, I think down in new Philly at a Buffalo wild wings or something. And I took her out to yeah. lunch and I said, Jack, Jackie, you know, you, how you wanted to start expanding to different areas of Ohio. You mentioned Northeast Ohio as, as the biggest area of growth for you. I want to open those stores. I want to lead those stores. I want to recruit. I want to train. And we opened up a store in first North Ridgeville and Vermilion. So I moved to Elyria, opened up a store basically on either side of me. And then from there it was Overland, Amherst, Maslin. You know, we just started opening up stores left and right. And I remember my, my whole drive to Columbus to meet Jackie, to try to convince her to make me a multi-unit manager, district manager, whatever you, I don't even think I had a title for the first six months, but um, yeah. I, I was sweating bullets and I was so nervous to meet with her because this was like my sales pitch, right? Like I was like, all right, I'm a stormy doing very well. I need to convince this woman to basically turn over the keys to what she wanted to become like a third of the company. And within the next few years, Right. And, you know, you know, she, she, she said yes, ultimately. And, you know, she, she first wanted to make sure it was a good fit for me and my family. And then I talked to, you know, talked to my wife about moving three hours away and man, have the courage, step out on a limb, take a risk because what, what, what's the worst that would have happened if she would have said, no, I still would have had my job as a store manager. Right. But it was because I had the guts to step out on a limb and ask for something I really wanted and to prove that I could do it. That was, that was a turning point in my life. So definitely. So Burns, that seems, that that seems like to, to me, to you, to some of the other leaders that you and I know that, that I would think of like a fairly obvious thing to do because you're right. Like what, what's the worst could happen. So, you know, it's not like she's going to eat my face off my face. Now, Jackie could be intimidating at times, but she was actually a really good lady. And yeah. I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed my, my interactions with her, except for that Christmas tree thing. But b- beyond that, it, it was, it was all, it was all good. She, she was great. She was actually a great owner, but it might seem obvious to, to us, but to some people, it's not so obvious to step out in faith or step out in, in, you know, belief in yourself or whatever. Why is that? 
Why is that? And and where do, do you have a record? Do you recognize a time in your life that 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 actually changed or that you were cognizant that you were going to do things to move forward where other people were not? Yeah, I, I think I think to answer your first question, I think the reason people don't do that is because they think they're not worthy for some reason. They think that, you know, you know, we we grow up in sometimes in environments where we're told that we're not good enough. You know, we look at the cover of a magazine and the magazine says we're not pretty enough. We read a leadership book and we we don't think, wow, I'm empowered by this book. We think I could never I could never do this. Like I could never stand on a stage and talk to people. I could never meet with someone one on one and expect to develop them. And we just get I, I think our own imbalance, at least for me, my own imbalance is caused by my feeling of an inadequacy sometimes. And that brings out this low underlying level of anxiety. And rather than saying yes to something like that, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to be successful, but do whatever it takes to do this to ourselves, Yeah. I don't, I don't know who's going to run these stores, but that sounds like, that sounds like you know, a job that I could never do. That sounds like something I could never live up to. And and I think for me, what turned the key for what tur- what the turning point was for me was when I had a son. For me, it was having my son mm. because I went from being a mediocre salesperson to that that really no other human. I mean, my wife was a little bit dependent on me financially, but if something were to happen to me, she would have been okay. And now all of a sudden I have this human child that I'm responsible and if I'm not successful he might not eat you know and that was very real for me and and once I had my son I went also when when my son was born and I went from being a mediocre to you know bottom tier salesperson to being one of the top 15 reps in Ohio out of several hundred salespeople because I had no, I gave myself no other option than to be successful, you know? And I just continued that, right? Like it wasn't a matter of uh, now all of a sudden a switch is flipped and I, I am worthy. I still felt inadequate. I still had my moments of stress and anxiety. I had this sense but of, it didn't matter. I cannot, I, yeah, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Like, yeah, there's I'm no, there's no choice. Own. There's no, I had no choice but to be the best because I wanted that's sort of that. Son. Yeah. And that's what I'm calling that the, your, your Cortez moment. That's what I'm calling that. The, the, the moment that you realize that it's, it's burned the ships that there's no, you don't have a choice. Just burn the ships. Yep. I burned the ships. And and I realized that, you know, when you have another human life that's relying on you in every way, there's no choice. Now I'm not saying, you know, go out and everybody have kids so that you'll further your career. Right. But why? And in in fact, was, please don't. Well, yeah, <laughs> but there's some, there's some serious, not to, not to get all serious, but there's some serious implications when you say my why is my family. There's some serious implications and you don't ever want to say that because if one of my, if one of my leaders now says my why is my family, that allows me an opportunity to say, Hey, you're not living in who, who you said you wanted to be. You're not living into who God designed you to be. If you're going to mm-hmm. tell me that your why is your family, then every time you slack off, that's you not being as good of a father as you wanted to be, or as good of a mother as you wanted to be, or good of a spouse. If your why is your family, then your actions really need to reflect that, you know, and that's, that's serious stuff, you know?
Well, I, I nothing, nothing. I, I loved managing to behaviors using that, right? Because you get people to tell you their why and you get them to be honest with you. And not only you're building a relationship or a rapport and hopefully adding some value to their life, not just their work life, but their life, right? Yeah. It, it, as a, it, from a mentoring standpoint, hopefully. And then when they tell you what their why is, or you have these discussions, and then their behavior is incongruent with what they told you mattered, right? Because that's yeah. really what they're saying. This stuff matters. And then their behavior does not line up with that. It's not in alignment with what they said. It's just a very easy thing. Now it's not me being a jerk. I'm not being an asshole to you saying, Hey, you suck at life and calculus and also sales. And you're not hitting, you know, you didn't sell a a jet pack this month. It's not that it's, you told me that this stuff mattered and your behavior. I could not, I couldn't even convict you of it in a court of law. There's no evidence that this stuff matters by your behavior. I, I just, yeah. I, I love having those real conversations because yeah. then it allows us to have real behavioral conversations. Yeah. And, and, and ironically enough, people love to have, to be on the receiving end of those conversations, you know, like one of, one of the things that they I've do. learned, yeah. one of the things I've learned in leadership is that, you know, if, if, if I'm going to be your leader and I'm going to be your mentor, and this, this is a John Maxwell, like, this isn't my idea. I steal this shamelessly every day, but if I'm going to develop you as your mentor, I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with truth and with grace. I'm going to leave you with care and with candor. If I have too much candor and I don't have any care, now I'm just a prick, right? And I'm just like cramming my, my ideas down your throat, right? But Mm -hmm. if, if I have too much care, but not enough candor, not enough honesty, now I'm being a cheerleader of your mediocrity. And that's not acceptable either. I'm going to come to you and I'm going to challenge you with all the love in my heart. I'm going to challenge you because sometimes to be a good leader, to be a good mentor, we need to care more about someone's development than we do about their feelings in that moment. And if we've built that loyalty, we've built that relationship with them, then they know that that, those difficult conversations are coming out of a place of love and they're coming out of a place desire to make you, you know, I, I say, I say living into who God was designed you to be. Like, I, I truly feel that God didn't design any of us to be losers, right? God wants us to be right. winners. We want to be winners. And when we don't live into who we were designed to be, who we want to be, who we have dreams to be, then it's the mentors, it's the mentor or the coach. And, and, you know, loving life. So. Well, it, yeah. When, when you play, when you play small ball, it's serving no one. It's not serving you. It's not serving your team. It's not serving your family. It, you know, it's, it's not. It's not serving anybody. And it, it, I, I actually think, you know, I, I've had this discussion. It's actually called something. You, you might know this with your recent with your recent training. Is it like situational trust or something like that? I can't. I can't remember. But basically, what what it boils down to is. I don't think it's very nice to not tell people the truth. And if they are not living up to who they're, who they're supposed to, I don't see that being mean, you know, as long as you, it's more about bedside manner and delivery, right? You know, I'm not going to like just eat, eat somebody's face off, but maybe I've been known to do that a little, but usually not. Usually it's, Hey, what are you doing here? And how do I help you? Because this is not what you told me you wanted. So how do yeah. I help you get what it is that you want? 
you and I have had many of those conversations in the back of Amherst. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so John Maxwell, I, I apologize in advance if I talk a lot about John Maxwell, but that's where I've got the majority of my, my coach training, my leadership training. And John Maxwell talks about the five levels of leadership, right? And, mm -hmm. and the, the care versus candor, the difficult conversations come at level three, right? So, you know, if, if I got hired on in an organization and all I have is a title and no one, no one knows me from Adam, no pun intended, no one, nobody knows me, they have to follow me because I have a title, right? They're not following me right. because they, they're not following me because they're loyal. They're not following me because they don't want to let me down. They're following me because I have a title. So you start to build that relationship. Cannot have, you know, potentially feeling hurt in conversations with people at level one or even level two. Level two, people follow you because they like you. You need to be a likable person. If someone's going to, you know, if, if anyone's ever going to be on your team and be in your corner and run through walls with you and for you, they have to like you. Level three is where you start to leverage the relationship that you've built with them in order to drive results. Level three is my favorite level because, you know, hey, man, like I, I linked up arms with you. I've gone to bat for you. We've been in the trenches now. You know, you, you know that I, I bleed with you, but we got to get something fixed. And, and, and how are we going to do it? And it's like, you know, now if I just went into that conversation on day one without building the relationship and building the trust and the loyalty, you're not going to do what I say. You're not going to trust me for nothing. Right. So I right. love getting to that level and you, and you do that naturally. Like you progress up the levels with someone quickly because of your relationship and you know, your reputation as a leader precedes you. So people trust you because other people trust you. Right. And that's, that's kind of where I'm hope to be and kind of where I'm at in my organization. But you know, you get to that level. It's like, Hey, like you've seen me have your back many, many times. Like, you've seen me, we've been in the trenches. You trust me now. Now I'm going to leverage your loyalty, leverage that relationship with you in order to figure out how we're going to drive results together. And maybe that means maybe hurting your feelings by just being honest with you. But I, you know, you got to trust me. We're both going to end up better on the other right. side of that conversation. So. It, it's more mean to lie to you. <laughs> I, 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 I prefer you're just honest. Like that, that's actually one of our, we don't do a mission statement here. It's uh, called guiding principles and it's all about action, like actual activity. And because, because very often mission statements are just this nonsense about integrity and telling the truth. And man, if you're in business and you're not having integrity and telling the truth, like you need to actually put that on a piece of paper, you probably are already crap. Like that's not good already. You, you know, that's just words and, and, whatever it's silly so we want to make sure that that the the what do you call it? That, that the guiding principles or the mission statement actually does guide behavior and it does does act as like a north star or whatever and one of those things is i'll share two of them with you actually one is one is think upstream i'm sure you're familiar with the book upstream and then and then the other one is always have real conversations and that includes with me Right. So from if you're a freelancer, you're an employee or even a client, whatever, you have fair game to have real conversations with me. And you just have to say that. Right. So this is not the time that we're going to get our feelings hurt. This is not the time that we're going to um, make it about us or whatever or me. 
This is about the time that we're going to have a real damn conversation because that's how we get on the other side of the wall. We don't get there dicking around. We get on the other side of the wall by doing this and then figuring out how to get across whatever the bridge is or wall or whatever barrier we have. We have real conversations. One of the first things day one, we're going to have real conversations. They just kind of look at me and I'm like, Oh, ones, you know, like where you get your feelings hurt and stuff, those ones. And, and yeah. but you're allowed to have them with me too. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, sure. <laughs> I promise. I absolutely yeah, a, promise. Like, it's like the analogy of you'll like this because you're as silly as I am. It's like the the analogy of the booger and the zipper, right? It's the it's the analogy of the booger and the zipper. If you're at a party with someone and you care about them at all and they got a booger hanging out of their nose. Are you going to ignore that and let them walk around the rest of the night with a booger hanging out of their nose? Nope. I'm going to point it out right now so you can get rid of that. And so it's not going to affect the rest of your conversations or your zipper. Hey, buddy, your zipper's down. Your zipper's down, buddy. Oh, cool. Zip. You move on about your day, but you got to have the courage to have that conversation with them out because why? Because you care about that person, right? Like, I don't want if if my zipper was down, I'd want somebody to tell me if I'm doing something. If one of my behaviors is inconsistent with a core value, then by all means, love me by by calling me out on it. By all means. Right. Burns, you brought something up earlier about how your why changed with the birth of your son. Tell me a little bit about how the how changes once you become a parent. Because I, I, I think that it's not just the why you're doing things. It's also the how. I think having a kid makes you a better leader and being a leader makes you a better parent. So talk to me a little bit about your experience with that. Yes. So the first thing that comes to mind is, is how I treat people after I've had kids, because I went from, you know, anybody in Conway communications that as I'm, I'm the vice president of sales in a wireless zone franchise that have, we have 32 stores and I'm the VP of sales and they all, they all look at me like a father figure. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that's very, that's very intentional. There's no yep. accident that it's not an accident. They, they look at me like a dad because once I had kids, I intrinsically started treating people who were several years younger than me as if, as if they're my kids. Right. In, in a sense. Now I'm not going to discipline mm-hmm. them like with my kid. I'm not going to, you know, talk to them exactly as I would my kid, but I take responsibility for them in my heart. One's kid. Right. So that's the first, the first thing is just look, this was my kid. Would I let them get away with this? If this, you know, if, if we're, if we're going to say that our organization, we can't just say that our organization is a family, we're going to behave like a family. And I'm not going to let one of my kids, you know, not live into who, who God designed them to be. I'm not going to let any of my kids, you know, not live into their full potential. If you try your hardest and, and you have a, a less than a less than stellar month, I'm going to high five you because you tried your hardest. But the minute I feel like you're not giving, um, you're not living into your full potential and you're not giving your 100, 100% best effort, we're going to have a conversation, right? Based on that why, based on that why. Yep. And I think, I think the second part of it was, you know, when you're talking about the how, um, I began doing the jobs that nobody else wanted to do. I began volunteering for things that nobody else wanted to do. I did not know that it helped me get ahead. When I was at Altel and I had my son, 
and somebody called in sick, I was very intentional about, hey, if anybody is sick, I'm the first person you call. If anybody calls, you know, it's going to be late, I'm the first person you call. I wanted to be the one that the problem arose. Now, for me, it was selfish because I knew for me as a salesperson, more hours meant more commission, right? So I was doing it selfishly. But what ended up happening was, hey, all of a sudden there's this guy who's like rising through the ranks who like he he goes above and beyond, you know, it's and it's and it's so easy. It's so easy in this day and age to turn right. heads within an organization like that, because all you have to do is a little bit more than what's being asked of you. And you, you, you're successful, you make money, you get promoted, you get opportunities, you know, but the first time that, that somebody in my organization says, I'm not going to do that because that's not my job description. Right. Like I want to write a book called shit losers say, or something like that. Right. It's like, well, I'm, I'm not, not going to do that because that's, that's outside of my job description. I'm not going to clean toilets because when I signed up to be a salesperson, you know, I, I, I'm above that. Okay. Well, I'm going to have a, you know, a loving conversation with you with candor and grace and say, maybe this isn't the job for you if you're not willing to do something that's outside of the scope of your responsibilities. So I just right. think, say, I got a kid. I want more hours. I want more sales. I want more commission. You know, I, you know, I want to live in to be someone who's who my kids are proud to have as a father, someone who's proud, who my wife is proud to be married to. And that that indirectly helped me in, and get leadership positions because no one was going to outwork me. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people around me were smarter. They were better salespeople, but they weren't willing to do things. They weren't willing to do anything it took to, um, to be successful. I like that. I like the book idea. Shit losers say. <laughs> we could probably write that book together. Right? We probably could. You, you know, it's, it's funny. That's not my job description. <laughs> That's not my job description. So, you, you know, before I was in wireless, I don't know if I ever told you this story. I, I, I ran bars and restaurants and, and I, one of the oh, places yeah. I was the manager of. So very, very often we'd, we'd have like new cocktail waitresses or whatever. And I would always do it. Guy or girl really didn't matter. But if there was a large mess in the bathroom. Right. So you said, I'm not going to clean bathrooms. It's what reminded me. So there could be a, a, a mess and it will just say the bathroom's been destroyed. And I would look at the new person and I'd go, well, I'm not going to call it hazing, but you got <laughs> to take, you got to take your turn. We've all done it and whatever. And depending on what their reaction was, if their reaction was like, absolutely not, I'm not doing that. And very rarely did that actually happen. But occasionally I get somebody that was like, I am not doing that. There is no way I did. That, that is not my job description. I'm like, well, you're chapter one uh, of shit losers say yep. 20 years from now. <laughs> but, it, but if they reacted with, okay, where's the, you know, what, where's, where's the cleaning supplies? What do I do? Whatever. I'd be like, I'm, I'm just kidding. You're not doing that your first night. You've all, you're already stressed out enough. And then I would go do it. I, I, I would yeah. get it. Like normally I'm sitting there counting the money, doing the drawers, whatever. And that's a, that's a, a leadership money, right? We've got to get that. They call that emotional collateral or whatever. Um, you, trying to get that, that buy-in of all, oh, not only did he not yeah. make me do it, that dude just did it like, Oh, okay. All right. Maybe yeah. he's not that big of a jack wagon. 
I'll tolerate him. Well, and you, you said it, something that, you know, you said, go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, you said something that is probably going to take us down another path. Like, I'm getting ready to take us. We were here, and now we're getting ready to take a, a right turn. So Good. I think one, one, of my, one of my favorite things to talk about to new leaders or people who are, you know, aspiring to be a new leader you know, we when 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 I meet with people who are salespeople who want to become leaders, or you know, my organization recently put together what's called emerging leaders. We put we put our our emerging leaders who are salespeople that want to be leaders through a two week boot camp, and it's like an hour and a half a day for two weeks straight on leadership development. We talk about emotional intelligence. I put them through the five levels of leadership. We talk about all kinds of stuff. But one of the things I always ask people who want to get into a leadership position in their interview is I say, why do you want to be a leader? Like, why, why do you want to be a leader in the first place? Leadership is messy. It's ugly. It's dirty. It's sometimes terrifying. It's going to lead to your stress. Why do you want to be a leader? Right? Because I, I have to know, are they mm -hmm. in it for the recognition? Are they in it for the money? Are they in it because they want to be in charge of people? And, and, it is so easy to spot somebody who is in who wants to get into leadership for the wrong reasons. But if you truly have a desire in your heart to want to develop the version of themselves, that's why you want to be a leader. It's not about recognition. Right. And people think, you know, you're you're love this, and, and I know that you're gonna agree with me, but like people often think when they get into a leadership position that, you know, okay, well, I've been in sales for two years, you know, I'm getting ready to be a, a leader. I get promoted to a store that has four salespeople. Now I'm in charge of these people and these people are going to serve me as their leader. That's mm -hmm. not it at all. People need to it's understand that the higher you get up in leadership, the more people that you are responsible to serve, to love, to develop, right? Being Absolutely. a leader, first and foremost, is a support role. And it's not about... I'm not, I'm not here as your leader because you work for me. Nope. If I'm your leader, I work for you. I work around Absolutely. you. I work with you and I'm here to support, support you. So people, Absolutely. I think people would save themselves a lot of, a lot of trouble and a lot of stress if they just knew exactly what being a good leader really is. It's not about money. It's not about, you know, 100% agree. Now I'm going to, I'm going to drop one on you. I had a, I had a sales coach on a couple weeks ago, a family friend, Vic Yang. He's, he's phenomenal. And he put this in a way that I had not thought of. I know you and I have talked about this before that just because you're a good salesperson does not mean that you're a good manager. And very often in organizations, we, we really screw that up and we put somebody that was a good, a good salesperson in charge of people. Right. And, and then yeah. very often that coincides with having all the wrong reasons yeah. for being in charge and, and whatever. And the way that he explained this, and I thought that this was absolutely brilliant, is that it's it's a problem with the organization. The organization should not make the next step of great salespeople to be in charge of other salespeople. They should just uncap their earning potential. Why yeah. would you move? Why would you incense somebody to go into a, a, a position where the acumen does not fit what they are great at? Yeah. Exactly. Move them into management. Like, so you, you don't take 
a great basketball player and his next level of making better money is to coach the team. Right. Exactly. That's really stupid, actually. No, you don't want him to quit playing. You don't ever want him to quit playing. You, 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 no, don't do that. It's, it, it doesn't translate. I never thought about it that way, but we don't, we incent the way most organizations are set up with commission instructions, commission structures, et cetera. Don't we incent great salespeople to move into a position that they may not be all that great at because they think that it's the logical next evolution and it's not. Yeah. So what do we do about that? How do we fix that? We, we, we literally blitzkrieg the comp plan, scratch everything, and start over. <laughs> yes. Know? It's my favorite thing to do. Just Get rid of everything. Blow it all Just bomb it. Just blow it all up. That's, that's, uh, great. that's a great analogy, too. You know, like, that's, that's a great analogy is the, is the professional, you know, the professional athlete. Like, you know, the, the, there's, there's no coach that ever made as much money as – the number one player in the field, no. right? Like, yeah, no. like LeBron James, LeBron James, you know, he, I'm sure he'll probably be a, a coach somewhere. Right. But maybe man, like, let's just pay him more money to keep doing what he's doing. Like he didn't want yeah, to coach. No, you know? Keep doing what he's doing. Why in the world? Or, or you take Jordan at his height and go, you know what? You are so good at this. Let's put you in charge of the team. Quit playing. Yeah. Let's put you in charge yeah. of the team. No, and, no, and no, you would never do that. This this analogy here also backs one of my other leadership principles, and that's you don't have to have a title to be a leader, right? Like you absolutely don't have to. Have... No, nope. sure don't. As a player, did not keep him being a coach and coaching coaching up his other te- teammates. Michael Jordan, right? Do you think? Right. Do you think you know the 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 ninth. 96 bulls or whatever, you know, would have been as good if Michael only focused on developing himself and not developing every other player around him. No, not, you know? not even remotely. And that's, that, that needs, no. yeah. And that needs to be true in, in any organization, right? Like these, these people need to understand that what makes a leader is if they have influence and if they're making other people better, it's not about a title. You know, it's not no. a title. I have that written down for chapter two of Shit Losers Say. I'm the manager. <laughs> what one of my least favorite things, you know, I, I always used to tell people that I'm like, well, okay, good for you. You're the manager. Listen to this. I'll, I, I hate the term manager. It's the only thing I ever managed was to screw things up. That's that's all I ever managed. Uh, manager. I managed that's my like, inbox. What a terrible. Yeah, I can't even manage my inbox. I'm on, you know, some people are inbox zero, inbox a thousand. It's terrible. Not good. But but organizations can control that, right? So a great comp plan incents proper behavior. So why, one of the most important things you can do is director of sales, you know, VP of sales, that that high level position. One of the most important things that you can do or, or should be doing is constantly evaluating are people, do I have the right buses? Are the right people driving those buses? And then are the right people sitting in the right buses with the right driver as well, right? So you're constantly evaluating yeah. all of that and just to make it more efficient and more natural and better. I remember one of the first things I did at Wireless Partners was take over a region that killed it, right? Like it was turnkey. 
our our good buddy, real deal, as he would say, would would go. This is turnkey. Just take over. And I'm like, yeah, I'm changing everything. <laughs> I'm changing everything. I thought he was going to kill me. I'm changing everything. Oh, I love it. I, I see different. I see different people in different seats. I, I just I, I think it it works better, right? Put yeah. people in a in a position to succeed. Yeah, and, and I think I think also, you know, what what is success? What does success look like in any given organization? And I think you know we have now. I'm speaking from a sales background, right? Like I, I'm not speaking from you know healthcare or or you know any, anything else. Just just wireless sales and. We don't, but I, I'm pretty sure, you know, I feel confident saying that I'm pretty sure that a lot of organizations fail at this and, and we, we have, right. We have all these different scoreboards and statistics around someone's performance, right? We, we evaluate people based on their performance alone. And that that's, that's their value to the organization mm-hmm. and not whether they're actually a good person with a moral compass, with integrity, right? Like we say, you know, so many companies out there say that these are our core values, but then they compensate and value people based on their sales performance and it promotes imbalance. You know, like uh, Simon Sinek, Simon Sinek, I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things versus trust, you know, these, he's got this, this really cool YouTube video where he talks about, you know, the performance is this axis and the trust is this axis. And, you know, another way of saying that is, do I trust you with my money over here or do I trust you with my, with my wife, right? Performance versus right. trust. And, and, you know, he says organizations, you know, even some organizations that perform at a very high level, you know, for example, the Navy SEALs, they would rather have somebody who is up on that axis with trust but not necessarily as high of a performer than extremely high performer who you not trust and how that person is more valuable to the organization, but that's not how we evaluate them. And that's not, that's not how we compensate. Well, it's definitely not how we um, compensate them. I've never seen a, I've never seen a comp plan that went into whether or not like you, like we're nice to old ladies crossing the street or not. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no, I've never seen anything like that. How unfortunately how, for the old ladies. <laughs> how how would you work that into compensation? So what does that look yeah, like? Uh, what like yeah. what are the metrics? What are the metrics for and, being and, a good person? Yeah, and it's it's not even fully about compensation, especially with our 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 millennials, right? Like I don't like to use the M word a lot because I don't like labels in general, but our generation, it's not about it's not as much about compensation and bonus structures as it is, as it is about where and how they feel valued in the organization and whether or not they're making an impact in an organization, right? So hard to measure. And it's really even challenging to identify in an interview with a candidate you're talking to, right? Because people can, people can other of an interview, but, but you start asking questions like, you know, Hey, Adam, Tell me when the last time, you know, you went out of your way to help an, to help someone that you didn't know and then didn't post it on your social media, right? Tell me about the last right. time right. you 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 went out of your way, you inconvenienced 
total stranger and you didn't post it on social media, right? And it's like instantly you can tell Adam whether they're full of crap or not, right? Because because I interview good people, really good people who, I mean, they look back and they roll their eyes and they say, wow, man, like, where do I start? I volunteer at this free store through my go to the soup kitchens downtown. I, you know, I, I volunteer with hashtag lunch bag and give homeless people food. Like I do all these things, these things. And, and it is, it, it's not, I'm not being compensated for it. All these people are strangers like that. I want that person on my team, you know, right. but if I, if, right. if someone struggles, if someone number one struggles to find an answer or number two, they use an example of someone in their circle who they already care about. Like maybe this isn't the best person to have on my team, right? Not that they're not a good person that perform at a high level, but I, 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 I can teach someone how to be a great leader. I can teach someone how to be a great salesperson. I can't teach someone how to not be a dick. Yeah. You know, that's a lot. Harder. Yeah. That's a lot harder to teach somebody. I can just hit them with a cattle prod when they are. I can't, I don't know that I can teach them to not be. You go walking in there with your tracksuit on and you're going. No, that, that tracksuit never happened. That's a, that's a, (laughs) that's a fairy tale. That's a, that's a tall tale. Totally happened. He's coming in to fire somebody. So let me, let me back. But how do you compensate? How do you compensate? I have no no idea. No, it's you know. So you were talking about the good person that you want on their team uh, on your team, right? You, so, yeah. but that's some nice stuff to say, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I want the good guy on my team. But isn't it like when it gets down to brass tacks? Why is it that we want the good guy on our team? Is it not just? Isn't it really just because we know how to motivate that person? We know what their language is. We know their currency. It's, I mean, yeah, it's great having a good guy on your team, but I also know what language they're speaking. I know what currency matters to them. And that's, that's also about me too. So. Yeah. And I think it's, I think part of it is trust, you know, is, you know, is this person going to be me when I'm not in the store? Right. And I trust this person Mm -hmm. to behave in a way that is and with integrity you know, does this person have character or are, are they going to steal from the company? Are they going to treat our customers poorly? You know, we, we've all, you know, leaders as leaders, we've all had that person that we go into their store. They talk a great game, right? When we're there, but you know, they behave in a completely different matter when you're not there. And that's integrity. Like, what are your behaviors? Right, they're falling off. They're like? falling off stools or whatever when you're when you're not there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I, I want that person on my team that that I can say, let's put our heads together, let's come up with some behaviors. Okay, you're committing to these behaviors, and when I leave, those behaviors are actually going to happen, and they're actually going to take place. Right? I I agree. I agree with you. I, I agree with you, but I, I just, I think that it's more than just, I like the good guys or I like the, you know, the feel good piece of it. It's more that I know how to talk to that person. I know we speak the same language and I know that we can fail together, win together. And when we fail together, that, that that's going to be a conversation that's heard. It is that we, we resonate with the same currencies. Yeah. 
I agree. I, and I if, could, I could if agree. I was a bad guy, maybe I'd want bad guys on my team. I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think that I think attitude the, the attitude of the repeat of the people reflects the attitude of the leader. You know, mm -hmm. I think that anybody that comes on my team and and cannot at least keep up with me a little bit from a positivity standpoint, from an inspirational standpoint, they're not going to be annoying to them. And I think you're absolutely right. Like if, if I was, if I was a leader that lacked character and integrity, I would possess those values. You know? Well, you're definitely one of the most positive people I've, I've ever known. You're, you're always, you're always positive. Unless you have a migraine, you're, you're positive. Other than that, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or if somebody told you to leave the call on Friday morning five minutes before the call was supposed to start because no one can get a hold of Ben, it maybe then is is also a little grumpy. Man, oh he said man. It he said it. Yeah, I, I, I said it. <laughs> I said it. Is he really? I, I wish he was. I hope he is. I miss that dude. Uh, uh, me too, man. Guy's me awesome. Too. I, yeah. Are you uh you still a good sales guy? You know, so it depends what you mean by selling. If That's a weird question. It, That's a weird question, if, isn't it? If, if if I don't have to <laughs> ring it out, I yeah. am really good. I still got it. But it's the systems, man. Like I am such an old dog when it comes to the systems. You know, I'm the guy that will be holding the iPad, talking to the customer, you know, giving giving him a great experience. Like, okay, well. This lady is going to upgrade her phone. She's going to add a line. She's going to do a, a tablet and a watch and do all these things. And then I look around and I go, can anyone do this? <laughs> can anyone activate all this stuff? Because I, I got nothing. <laughs> just hearing you say that just gave me an aneurysm. Like, oh, oh, oh no. I know. What, what I, system I do you even use now? Like Morning Song or something? Eros is gone yeah. now. In, in most of the in most of the stores now, they don't let me talk to customers. <laughs> You're not even allowed talking to customers anymore. They only want me talking to employees. Yeah, I'm a coach now. I'm not a yeah, not a salesperson. So, <laughs> you know, one of the funny things that was happening right before I left. I'm curious to get your take on this. Right before I left corporate sales world, I think my style of selling, and I, I would I would venture to say yours too. The reason that I was I was good, or the the only reason I was good when I was good, if that makes sense, not not trying to sound like I was a great salesperson. When I was good, if I was good, it was for this reason. It was because I had opportunity to educate to a buying decision. I had somebody who did not know what in the world they were getting themselves into, service equipment, whether or not they needed this giant package what what they didn't know and so it wasn't glengarry glen ross coffees for closers it was literally let me educate you and allow you to make a purchasing decision now when you get really good at that they make the purchasing decision that you wanted them to make in the in the first place but yeah. it was always about education now towards the end of my time in wireless I noticed the consumer becoming more and more educated prior to them coming in the door. So where were they getting educated? The internet, advertising, websites, et cetera. Hence, 
yeah. I don't know, you probably never knew this. This is why I went into marketing. I needed to get further up the sales cycle because yeah. I felt myself becoming obsolete in retail sales setting. That and I didn't think I was a good employee and wanted to work for myself. But <laughs> really, why marketing? I mean, it, I could have you know done a dog food store. It, you know, why why yeah. marketing? Well, that was the reason because to me, it was just sales in the absence of an actual person. It was all right. about the education that was occurring before they walked in the door. Could I affect that? And how did I affect that? Inadvertently, there was a video that Go Wireless played for, for everybody all about social nomics. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. And I understand that. I need to be doing that. And that's and that's what happened. Yeah. So that's that's where the question comes from. What what does a person that believes in educating to the point of a buying decision, how do how do you function in, in today's world where everyone knows everything before they talk to anybody about anything? <laughs> yeah. So so the advantage, you know, our advantage is that the customers educate themselves on the fun, popular stuff and not so much the products that they didn't know they needed before they walked in, right? Mm, so that's- Okay. It's, so there's it's still opportunity. Be, yeah, because you know, you know as somebody in marketing that, you know, when does someone buy something when they have a perceived value in that product or service, right? If they don't see a mm -hmm. value in it, then they, they won't buy it, right? That That mm -hmm. is not value to me, right? That's why, a guy like me will pay $10,000 Harley Davidson, but a guy like you thinks that's crazy, right? That's like yeah. you, a guy like you spending, you know, X amount of dollars on a new condenser microphone for your podcast. I'm thinking, oh, that's crazy. It's because the different things have different values to different people, right? And it's our Absolutely. jobs as the marketer, marketer person, it's our jobs as the salesperson to influence whether that value comes up to the level of the amount that that product or service costs. So, you know, I'll right. give you an example. Someone comes in and, you know, I think, I think, you know, a company that's done pretty good with their marketing strategy is Apple, right? We'll call it, we'll call it, you know, Apple's done a pretty good job. Everybody's going to have latest, greatest iPhone, right? So they come in for that Apple because um, of the great marketing strategy of Apple. But what they didn't know when they came in is how they would benefit from an Apple Watch. And that's our job as the sales to educate that customer to the point where their perceived value matches how much that sucker costs. If they're only mm -hmm. going to use it for a watch, they're not going to have the perceived value that it's worth $600. It's just going to be right. too expensive, right? But if we can educate them on fitness tracker, keeps track of your blood pressure if you have blood pressure issues you know if we can if we can talk to you from a consultative selling standpoint and build value that's when we get the customer to say yes you know we have vehicle diagnostic machines now that communicate with an app on your phone that if you're ever in an accident have they'll alert ems and they will rush to your location based off of the gps um, location of that little device you will never ever see an advertisement on TV for that device. You come in for an Apple iPhone. It's my job and my team's job 
to talk to you and educate you about that device you didn't even know Verizon carried and then mm -hmm. build a perceived value in that so that you want to buy it. Right. What's that thing Makes called? Makes sense. It's called a HUM, H-U-M. HUM. HUM by Verizon. Yeah. What, uh, or if you want to track a teenager, if you want to track a teenager, you put this in their car, you pair it up with the app on your phone, it'll drop little bread, breadcrumbs on a map so you can see everywhere they've gone. Or if they're in an accident, EMS will come. So th throw that but nobody knows Nobody knows we carry that because right. it's never advertised. Like you're not going to see, you know, a, a little vehicle diagnostic device at halftime on, on, you know, Thanksgiving football game. It's not going to happen. Isn't there a... Have they abandoned the home phone, stupid thing, please? No, we have not. Oh, no, no. Hilarious. Where the home phone companies are charging 50, 60, 70 bucks a month. But we just encourage our customers, cut the cord, man. It's time. It's time. Come on, man. Is there is there still the dog collar thing? Wasn't there a dog thing? I don't think so. I think, if you I think, think there was a dog really thing. If you dig real deep on the Verizon website, you might be able to find and activate. I think there was a dog thing. I'm like, I'm going to throw that thing in my wife's trunk. <laughs> what is this thing? This shock yeah. collar. <laughs> yeah. Well, here, here's another scenario where, you know, perceived value comes into play. Verizon sells these little thing called gizmo watches now. And it's basically a, a GPS tracker for kids, right? So yeah. if they leave the house and they, you know, and they, and they go, you can literally pull up your phone as one of their caregivers and see exactly where their location is. Again, you'll never see that advertised, you know, in a commercial or an ad or anything. But before I, before I had kids that, you know, were seven, eight years old plus, I didn't have a value in that, right? Because I didn't right. need it. But man, right. for $5 a month to be able to track my kid wherever they go, as soon as, as soon as my kids got into ballet lessons, soccer practice, basketball practice, cheerleading, like all that stuff, man, like I would have paid four times that much to be able right. to have the services that that little silly watch provided. So. I can only imagine the conversations around that. Somebody coming in the store going, man, these little dots aren't going anywhere. It's like, yeah, man, you've been quarantined for the last four months, Dumbo. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, no one's going anywhere. You're all sitting there. <laughs> Off the shelf right now. You're you're all watching reruns of Mash, and your kids hate you. Like no. your kids, are your kids leaving their watches at home all day? <laughs> yeah, no, no one's going anywhere, man. No <laughs> oh man, that's terrible. So yeah. tell me, tell me a little bit more about. So you got certified with Maxwell. So you leave Wireless Partners, you go on with Conway. You're doing great things over at Conway, and that was sort of you and, and Alex Yader getting back together at, at that point. He left he left Wireless Partners at some point, right? I never I've never met. Yeah, I yeah, yeah he left I, Wireless Partners before before you got there. Um, yeah, and he, I know the name. He, I, I know who he is. Yep, he was with Chris Jordan for a spell, running some stores in Ohio for Chris Jordan when they were Wireless Zone. The steel yard store that's like 12 minutes from my house used to be one of Alex's when it was before, you know, before when it was Chris Jordan's and now we own it again. But the way the John Maxwell thing came, came up is, you know, I, I have a, I have a burning desire in my heart to help people get better, right? Like that's, you know, if, if, 
if I have a secondary why, it's to help people get from where they are to where they want to be. And that process really started for me when I was working as a, a sales market manager at TCC and Alex called me up and he said, hey, you know, Conway Communications is thinking about the market. Do you know anybody who would be, you know, at the caliber of leader that would want to come work for us and help us open up stores in Ohio? So he was just calling me for a referral for someone else. And, and uh, I thought to myself, well, I could probably do that. I could probably help Conway Communications open up stores. And I told Alex, I said, I can't think of anybody do that in my personal network, but how about I come and do it for you? So he was calling to get a referral and he got me instead. I don't know if he's happy about that or not, but I'd say out. he's happy. It's worked out. It's worked out. So probably, probably a year ago now, you know, Alex, Alex called me and he said, you know, and I, you know, I've been studying John Maxwell, reading the John Maxwell books, the minute with Maxwell, Maxwell, all the podcasts uh, and the Facebook group and everything for the past, I don't know, four or five years. And I'm just, I'm a student of, I've been a student of John Maxwell's long before I, you know, started this certification path. But Alex called me and, you know, he said, he said that they wanted to work on certifying me as a professional coach to help our organization and to mentor and coach people in our organization, but then also to do it as, you know, as a side hustle outside of the organization, if I had context outside of the organization. And, and I, when he told me he wanted me to be John Mackle's certified coach, like I, I didn't know how much that was going to, that, that meant to me until, you know, I, I literally just was sitting there with tears in my eyes, like this John, Maxwell leadership guru, I was going to get to study and get certified under him and his, his developmental, his development. It's called the John Maxwell group. And so mm -hmm. in February, I started training and I started working through the certification program. It took me seven months uh, to get through all the material and to get trained and be part of their mentorship program. And, uh, and then I got certified, was it last weekend or the weekend before? I think it was, was two weeks ago. Yeah, I think two, I saw it two weeks ago. Yeah, two weekends ago, I went through my online. It was the International Maxwell Certification. Normally, they they would send us all to Orlando, Florida, to a big Marriott in hotel and conference center. But because of you know because of the Rona, we had to do it all on on an online platform, which was very cool, very cool. So yeah, I am now a certified John Maxwell professional coach and speaker. That's fantastic. Yeah. So what what is that what does that look like? What what do you how do you get rolling with that? And what are you who are you looking to work with? Yeah, so so right now my goal is to work with you know to work with people within Conway Communications organization and 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 coach coach people, you know, from a from a structural standpoint, it can be one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching inside or outside the organization, it can be one on one on one coaching. They do these things called, I'll be doing these things called John Maxwell masterclasses, where I'll take content from one of John Maxwell's books and, and they break it down into, you know, a four week to eight week, once a week session, where they call it a masterclass, where I'll have anywhere between, you know, six and 10 people in the masterclass with me that I'm coaching as a, as a group, as a team. So mm -hmm. I prefer, really prefer the one-on-one, -on -one, to be honest with you. 
but the one-on-one coaching can get a little expensive for, for one individual person. So somebody who wants to be developed by a John Maxwell coach, but maybe doesn't want to shoulder the burden of, of one-on-one coaching, the financial burden classes as well. So I'm really, really excited. You know, when it comes to this idea of coaching, I had no idea really what a coach did until working my way through this training. And you'll love this. You'll get a kick out of this. You know, the word, the word coach, the word professional coach has just been absolutely misused and abused. You know, you look at someone's Instagram account and it says that they're a life coach. Okay. Well, what, what does that even mean? Right? Like this this coach gets thrown around um, so much. And, and what people, what I'm trying to educate people on is that what I do is not typical of, of what a quote unquote life coach does, right? Because really what quote unquote life coaches are is really they're trainers training people how to do things. And it's their own, it's the, their own trainers ideas that they're trying to impress upon the recipient. Really? That's not what okay. coaching is about at all. What coaching is, as opposed to training, is first knowing and understanding that the answers to a a recipient's success does not lie within the coach. It lies within the recipient. It's the coach's responsibilities to get that that recipient to become self-aware and to start drawing the answers out of that person. Do you see what I'm saying? You're, you're there to you're there to facilitate self-awareness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't even like I was excited to be part of the program and didn't even realize what being a coach was. You know, I, I you know, I I there and and there are values to a trainer, right? If you're sure. training someone it's because they need the training, right? To facilitate something. I have been trained to be a coach, right? And then coaching is something completely, completely different. Right. So, right. It was, it was so awesome. if somebody's, if somebody's listening and wants to get involved, what, what would that look like, Chris? Yeah. So, so it's, it's really an, an, kind of a wishy-washy answer, but it's really up to that recipient, right? Like if they okay. want weekly coaching, I'll make space for weekly coaching. If they want once a month, I'll make space for what once a month. You know, it's my job as the coach to, it's my job as a coach to really do whatever that recipient wants. You know, if we want to meet once a quarter and that's all you, that's all you want and that's all you feel you need, then, then that's what we're going to do. You know, my, my job is not to tell a person what they need. It's my job, like you said, to get someone to be self-aware about what they need and what, you know, what they want to work on. And a lot of it's through goal clarity. You know, I meet with some people, right? Right. they don't even know what those are, you know, they don't even know how they want to be developed. They don't want, they don't uh, even know how they want to develop themselves. So the first session or two is just sitting down and, you know, let's clarify some goals. I want you to, I want you to discover some behaviors that, 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 you know, part of being your coach is I'm going to hold you accountable to those things in a loving way. You know, the, the behaviors and the answers are going to come from you, but it's my job as your coach to, to hold you to those things. Like that, that's the main difference really between a coach and a therapist, right? Like a therapist listens to your problems, right? And like, I'm, I'm in no way 
saying that a, a therapist doesn't have value. I, I actually saw one for uh, a few months, you know, a, a couple of years ago and found huge, tremendous value in it. So I'm not devaluing what a therapist says all, but the difference is, you know, it's not a therapist's job to hold you accountable to behaviors, right? It's right, a therapist right. to, to walk you through your grief and your struggle and your anxiety and your stress and give you some pointers, right? Of what you right. can do to make some changes. But it's my job as a coach to get you to become self-aware of the behaviors that you need to do to, to find success, clarify your goals, live into those goals and then hold you accountable to those behaviors, right? Like I said, in non-judgmental way, you know, I, people, people love this process because there, there's no judgment. There's absolutely 100% no judgment. But at the same time, you know, I love you too much as a coach to let you stay where you're at. If you've told right. me that you want me to hold you accountable to getting better. Right. Well, that's the, that's that great conversation. You told me that you wanted to go from here to here. Yeah. We're, we're not doing that. So what's. And you told me how you were going to do it. Yeah. 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 So, so how, how do people get in touch with you? We'll, we'll do show notes and everything for the, for the episode. So how do they get in touch with you? Do you have a website or your LinkedIn or. I don't, I don't have a website. I am on LinkedIn. Um, as... Okay. Speaker. So I'm on there as Chris Burns. Please, you can share my cell phone number. You can share my email address with okay. anybody, you know, after the call that, that is interested in it. Really what I like to do um, is I like to have free, I like to have free masterclasses going all the time. So like if you and five of your buddies want to do a free masterclass, I'll put together a free masterclass where you don't pay a dime, you know, maybe bring some snacks with you. And, and, and a beverage and we'll meet or maybe we'll just do it over zoom because of covid where i'll do like a free a free four-week master class where you can attend the class once a week for four weeks and then and we then, should we should talk about that i like that yeah yeah i i'm always going to try to have at least two ma two free masterminds going all the time and then you know i'm going to build my business through referrals and you know once yep. once once people are in the free class and they see what the great value the coaching is going to bring to them. It is such an, it's an exceptionally powerful method to getting better at whatever it is you want to get better at and clarifying your goals. So I would totally doing, agree with that. Doing a lot of, I'm going to be doing a ton of free content. So okay, I'm pretty excited to, to get a bunch of free. Cool. Well, my man, I'm going to bring it in for a landing here. So I always end with five cool. questions. Because it's you, okay. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do six rapid fire questions. Ooh, yeah, nice. I should have done a five. I should have done a five plus two, but I'm gonna do a five plus one. Anyway, are are you uh, are you an Apple or an Android guy these days? I'm an Apple guy. Unfortunately, I know. I thought you would go back and forth. Weren't you a Windows Phone guy at one point? Here's here's the thing, man. If we meet six months from now, I'm gonna be an Android. <laughs> right. I kind of go back and forth. I like to stay relevant. Flopper. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I use Apple because of that's what my family uses, and I I'm on that Facetime yeah. pretty regularly. But you know, I, I I'm I'm looking at that Note 20 with just goo goo eyes right now. And it, but a pineapple on a pizza. What's pizza. What's that? Is ham and pineapple on a pizza? Pizza. I'm gonna go with yes. Okay. 
Mountains or the beach? What's that? Mountains or the beach? Oh, beach. Absolutely the beach. Don't you go to like Bear Lake or something in Canada every year and you say beach? I I have this Native American olive skin. And man, when I spend a couple hours in the sun, man, I am just sun-kissed. So... But yeah, we go to we go to Whitefish Falls up in a, we go to Whitefish Falls up in uh, northern Ontario. But there's no mountains up there that I'm climbing. So old okay, sore. <laughs> All right, beach it is. Mentor or mentee? Oh man, can I say both? Is it cliche of me to say both? Because I think it's I think it's got to be both, doesn't it? And let me explain why. Because when it comes to coaching. I, I have a coach, right? Because I can't get, I, it's going to be very hard with integrity for me to understand the value in coaching if I don't have a coach too, right? Yep. So yep. I, I, I try not to buy anything from anybody that's not buying what they're selling. So I, I agree. I, I think, I think you got to be both. Yeah. Brussels sprouts. Yay or nay? Yay. Yeah. Absolutely. I like them. Do I like the Brussels. I do. Yeah. Take Brussels sprouts. Take Brussels sprouts. Put them in a bag. Drizzle a little olive oil on there, and then shake in some seasoned salt or even some salt and pepper. Throw them in the air fryer on 370 for 20. You'll never dislike Brussels sprouts again. You're welcome. For how? For how long? Mic drop. Boom. 12 <laughs> minutes at 370 degrees. 12 minutes, make them, 370. Make them nice and soft. Oh, yeah. Make them nice and soft with a crispy outer layer. Oh, they're so Oh, good. yeah. Love them. Yeah. And then last question, what's your favorite sandwich? Oh, what's my favorite sandwich? Man. I'm going to go with the West Side Monte Cristo from Melt Bar and Grilled. There you go. West Side Monte Cristo. Dagwood. They take a Dagwood on Texas toast. Yeah. They, they, they batter it and deep fry it, the whole thing. Yeah. And, and they sprinkle powdered sugar on the top, and they give you raspberry dipping sauce. Yeah, it's like a French oh, toast sandwich. It's so good. Yeah, I, I need one of those in my life. That sounds amazing. I haven't had a Monte Cristo in a long time. That sounds great. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, my dude. Well, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Secret Ingredient Livecast, where we believe that everyone has a story behind a story, and that's where their secret ingredient lives. Unleashing that secret ingredient through a combination of personalized content, social media, and paid advertising is the best way to build relationships you need to grow your business today. Today, we learned all about my buddy, Chris's secret ingredient. I want to thank Chris for taking the time out of his day to come on and, and hang with us just for a little bit. Thanks, Chris. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much, Adam, for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Awesome, man.